welcome to some more great Bible preaching from the pulpit of Capital City Baptist Church in the heart of Austin, Texas. Our prayer is that your relationship with Christ is strengthened and that you are blessed by the time you spend in the Word of God with us today. First Samuel 16, let's read verse, starting at verse 4. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, came to Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Come us out peaceably. And he said, Peaceably. I'm come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. Boy, it's been a long time. How many generations has it been since people trembled at the coming of the man of God? He said, I come peaceably. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. I want you to think about that phrase tonight. A phrase that's very important, but very twisted among Christians. Very twisted in this day and age to say the outside doesn't matter, and it does because man can't see the inside. There's no no one on the planet has bionic vision. No one else can truly see your heart. And you know a lot of times you've hidden your true intentions, your true feelings, and no one really knew what you knew or what you were thinking. Aren't you thankful for the invention of the cell phone? So easy to hide your feelings. So easy to say, yes, yes, absolutely. Say, the outside doesn't matter. It certainly does matter. Well, you can't judge someone by the outside. You know what I'm standing behind tonight? What am I standing behind tonight? You are so judgmental. You know what you just did? Made a judgment on something visual. Because the visual says a lot. It tells you what something is. That's not saying that you're never supposed to look on the outside. You are supposed to be concerned about the outside because the world wants to be able to see that you are a Christian Guess what? When you leave this place, the world ought to be able to look at you. You know what? I love it. Uh, probably once or twice a week, someone said to me, you're a pastor. I don't take that as degrading. I take it as a compliment. I like to carry myself in such a way that someone look at me. It's a higher compliment when someone says, you're a Christian. Amen. That's someone looking on the outward appearance. Uh, for the man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord... Now, here is the key. The Lord does look on your heart, and he knows everything that's going on inside, even at this very moment. Then Jesse called Abinadab, made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. It's, I like the way the Lord chooses his words. Can, can you imagine how this young man looked at Samuel, and he came by and he said, Well, God hasn't chosen this. Say, Pastor, you're kind of rough in your speech. Well, I'm just taking Samuel's example, amen. Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said, Not this and this and this, and the Lord has not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent, brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance. 
goodly to look to. My guess is he was a bald young man at 18, 5'8". And the Lord said something like that. Amen, Robert? We're, yeah, we're on the same page. The Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. I want to ask for the same pair to lead us in prayer tonight as we come. Amen. You may be seated. I'm considering doing a series of messages on the life of David. Over the past few days and weeks, as I've been reading 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, thinking about his life, uh, in my study, uh, I checked into it and noticed uh, Abraham has 14 chapters of the Bible that talk about his life. Joseph has 13. Jacob has 11. Moses has 40. There's quite a few. David has 66 chapters in the Old Testament dedicated to his life. And over 57 references in the New Testament speaking about him. Now we remember him as the man that slew Goliath, the greatest king in the history of all Israel. But God references him as a man after his own heart. I don't know about you, I don't know if there's a higher compliment to be made. I know he had his faults. I know you look at the life of David, it's easy to... uh, 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 identify with David because he had a lot of mountains, he had a, a lot of good things, he, he accomplished a lot in his lifetime, but he also had a lot of obvious failures that God recorded in Scripture uh, that are highly embarrassing. I, I'm sure some of this, David is quite thankful that it was not revealed during his lifetime, but after he was gone. But I want you to notice uh, just for a few minutes tonight, I'm going to be extremely quick. Uh, a couple thoughts. And the main thought is this. Uh, go back with me to chapter 13. Uh, the people had decided they wanted a king to rule over them. God was very displeased. But uh, be careful what you ask for because eventually God will give it to you, whether or not it's good for you. And he gave them their wish, and it hurt the nation of Israel. But at some point, God uh, became tired and uh, frustrated with Saul's rebellion. And uh, look what it says. He was rejected. And look what it says in chapter 13, verse 14. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him. What is God seeking? What's it say? A man after his own heart. Now think about this. God had a lot to choose from when he chose the next king. He could have chosen Abner. Would have been a good choice, maybe, if you're looking for a military leader. Uh, He could have chosen Samuel, the prophet of God. I know he's growing older and and, uh, didn't have that much longer to live. Uh, But he could have went a lot of different directions. But God chose uh, David... uh, And his choice was based on one thing. He said, I want a man who has my heart. Now I want you to think about how you choose people. You do the exact same thing. You choose your friends because you have the same, oh, it's not always the same taste. Not always the same likes and dislikes. But basically... 
You're going the same direction. You have the same heart. And it's someone you get along with. Someone you like. Someone you can spend time with. And uh, you find that the time passes very quickly. Very pleasant experience to be together. That's how you chose a mate. Some of you don't remember that. <laughs> but that's why you did choose each other so many years ago. And God says, I want that same thing. And who looked out there, he found a shepherd boy, and he said, I want someone who has a heart for me. Now think about this for a minute. How many of you have ever been around someone and uh, you felt the discomfort of knowing that you didn't have their heart? Maybe you had their heart in general. You just didn't have their heart at that moment. And it made you feel awkward. Anybody ever been there? You know, I'm, I'm amazed just at the very fact that God is willing to be our friend on a personal level. One of the amazing things I remember is a young man in the ministry and uh, listening to great men of God. And I, I remember years ago, uh, I went with Dad uh, to a big conference up the road and listened to some of the biggest names, uh, the biggest name preachers in this generation. Many of those have passed on. Um, that was the first time I heard Jack Hiles. Uh, that was the first time I heard Bob Gray. Uh, that was the first time I heard J. Harold Smith. Uh, icons of the independent Baptist movement. God moved. Now, little did I know, uh, we went to Bible college and we heard great men of God preach, and I, I never dreamed, I never thought, I never imagined, Brother Van, that at any time in my life, any time in my ministry, I would actually get to be personal friends with some of my icons and some of my heroes and some of those men that I looked up to in the faith. I never thought... Uh, I was laughing the other day and, and thinking I showed someone in here. Uh, I never thought that anybody uh, that we would consider a big name in this nation would ever send me a personal text or call me without purpose solely to shoot the breeze. Never imagined. And I feel flattered when it happens and I think, wow, I feel privileged. Now, folks... To think that the God of the universe would want our friendship in something on a personal level and would actually take the time with 7 billion people on the planet to speak personally to us, if that is not astounding, amazing, surprising, overwhelming, you're disconnected. God will talk to you, wants to talk to you. Will talk to you on a personal level and wants... You to do the same. It's phenomenal. Here's a problem. The problem doesn't lie with him. The problem is the average Christian doesn't have the same desire, does not have a heart for God. You know what I'm talking about. Many of you function on character. You do a lot of things. You get up in the morning, you go to work, you face traffic, you cook, you clean, you wash, you help your children, you do your homework. You meet the requirements of your job. You fight traffic. You come back home. You finish up things around the house. You pay the bills. You do that simply and solely because you have a high level of character and you know it's something that needs to be done. It doesn't have your heart. Now there are a few things in life that have your heart. For some of you, it's golfing. Golfing doesn't have my heart. I've been out a few times. Hard to imagine paying $35 to... 
create more problems with my allergies, sit in the sweltering heat, sweat like a mad dog. You ever like walking around, you got just beads of sweat, you know, from here to here. Big rings under your arms. You're chasing the ball to the right, chasing the ball to the left, scaring the birds. All the greenies of Austin hate me when I go to the golf course. I beat up trees, tear up bushes, walk through marsh. Some of you, sports, some, it, how many of you ever talked to someone and, and they were giving you the details of a basketball game or a football game and they were energetic, caught up, excited, and you're just looking at them like, I have no clue what you're talking about. And I want to tell you the truth. I don't even care what you're talking about. And the other person's like, man, we could have won. And he, you know, he, he, he stepped back. He hit the guy in the chest in the end zone. Dropped the ball. And you're like, so? I'm supposed to be excited about this? What gets your blood flowing is not the same thing that gets someone else's blood flowing. What you, uh, something that has your heart, for some people, it's, it's collecting things, antiques. And have you ever went to an antique shop? Now, folks, there is nothing more pitifully boring on the face of the planet. You look at those things, and no wonder they're out of date. Amen? They should be out of date. They should be in an attic. Put them back in a box. Tape the box. And put it back under something in the closet or the attic. Now, what has your... Uh, how many like to go deer hunting? I uh, realized this. It took me a while to realize a couple years ago. Uh, we're out fishing. I love to fish. Um, I love to wait streams. I love to... Now, you know, the, the older you get, when, you, when you're younger, you've got to wait in the stream to enjoy fishing. But the older you get, it, you get to a point where you actually enjoy sitting in a lake. And my brothers are like, you're going to the lake? Yeah. Why? Because I'm fat and lazy. <laughs> I want to do something I enjoy. I'm on vacation. But for some reason, I go out there... And Brittany's the only one that wants to go with me. And Ashley's like, yeah, I'll go, Dad. And Chris is like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get this over with. <laughs> He's acting like it's an injection or something. Yeah, Dad, we're going fishing. Great. Good thing. Fishing. And I kind of got the clue. He didn't share the same desire. He didn't have the same emotional impact. He, he just, uh, he, he likes to hunt, uh, but fishing is just not his thing. doesn't have his heart. Now, here's what I don't like to do. I like to spend time with my son, but I don't like to spend time fishing with my son. Do you know why? It kind of kills our communication. I want to do something where we connect on a heart level. You know, there are things I wouldn't normally do, you know, two years ago. We went to Colorado and we bought tubes and we put them in a river where the water was 30 degrees. And literally the first time you went through a fall and had a water spike, you're going, oh, you're trying to scream, but nothing's coming out. You're like, oh, ah. And you go down, you go off the edge of something and you flip over and you stand up in the water. And you think, I am such a retard. <laughs> now, folks, people in the right mind don't, don't do that kind of thing. And you get out of the river, and you're waiting for the truck to show up, and it's 85 degrees out, but your body thinks it's 32.
and your lips are blue. Now, why in the world do you do something like that? Because I know that's something he enjoys, so I want to get in on it so we get on the same level so there's a heart connection taking place. You know what? In order for God to have your heart, it, it takes some effort, it takes some energy, it takes some initiative, it takes some desire. It's something that has to be cultivated. Your natural flesh is not going to do it on its own. You're going to have to cultivate that love for God, reading His Word, praying, communicating, finding His will, getting to do with this Holy Spirit. God said... I'm going to look through and among my people, and I'm looking for one thing, not talent, not ability, not professionalism. I'm not looking for someone mighty. I'm not looking for accomplishment. I'm not even looking. Now, listen, I want you to think about this for a minute. Astounding on a lot of levels, because if we did a kingdom search, we said we're looking for a king. What in the world, what characteristic would you put down as characteristics that would make someone a great leader and a good king? We would say he needs to have a vibrant personality. He needs to be able to connect with people. He needs to be a natural leader. High character, great education, definitely needs some experience, right? What if I gave you a piece of paper and a pen and told you to write down the top ten? God said this is what I want. I want one thing. I want someone that shares my heart. Now let me ask you this. What's going on in Christianity today? Today, all the mileage, the works, the service. Folks, I don't want to question your motives because we're getting on scary ground. I see the outward. I appreciate the suit and the tie and the sharp look. I appreciate the smile. I appreciate the hug. I appreciate the respect. But I do know this. When we sing, God sees your heart. And when you sit, God sees your heart. And God sees it on Monday and Tuesday. And God says, boy, I don't have any of your heart. You do come to church, but I don't have your heart. You know how awkward that is? Every marriage at some point is going to go through those moments. Every, every single child that comes through your home, you're going to have those moments where you're going to feel like or do something where you say, Boy, I, I just don't have their heart right now. Tony, you know what's so hard about uh, it, it, walking Kendra down this aisle and, and having her take her hand off your arm? You know what was so wrenching and all of that? You knew you were losing a piece of her heart. She had to give that to someone else. She still loves you. You're her daddy. She always looked to you in that way but you know you lost a large piece of her heart, and that's what hurt. It wasn't the cost of the wedding. That was painful. It wasn't, you, you know it's going to be a huge moment, Brother Newcomb, all these times and all that you invested in Naomi and, and all the great moments together, you'll still have good moments. You'll still have more wonderful memories. You'll appreciate your independence. But you know from that moment Things will never be the same in what you enjoy, the reward. And you know why every parent goes through the sacrifice? Because the reward of having someone's heart is incredible. You say, Pastor, you have favorites in the church. Oh, absolutely. I don't hide it. I know we shouldn't have favorites. 
I know, but I'll tell you what, this man, the guy you're looking at, the one behind the pulpit, has favorites. I like what Brother Wood said, and I'll repeat it. Some of you are just easier to love. And I know we're on, when we're on the same page and I have your heart, it's just, it's just easier to be together. And when, when, I, when I know that, 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 that I don't have someone's heart or I, I don't even know where they're coming from, I don't know if we're on the same page, I don't know where we're headed, it's, it's different. It, it makes being together a little awkward. And God says, here's the only thing I want out of my child. It, it, can you imagine the pain of your child? It, 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 we've always wanted in our home for our kids to desire to be at our house more than any other place on the planet. I want our home to be peaceful. I want our home to be a refuge. I want our home to be a cover. I want our home to be a place of laughter. I want to be our home to be a place that the, their number one spot in the world. I want it to be our home. I want their heart to be there. I want to have their heart. And I can't imagine uh, a child saying, uh, Dad, I don't want to be here. Most of the time when our kids get invites, they look at me like, Dad, give me a way out. You say, does that bother you? Not that they're homebodies. I want our house to be a pleasant place, and I want them to know they have my heart. Now, how many of you parents know this? They have more of your heart than you have of theirs. Because you have all their heart that first year or two. You know what I'm talking about? It's pitiful. You know, I, I, I try to hold one of them or grab one. It's like, Aah! They reach out to mom or dad. Aah! Thankfully, about the time they're Friday, hey, Steve, let's go. Hey, Trent, let's, hey, Lewis, hey, Josiah, Aston. You know why? The older they grow, the more that distance grows. And the, for dad, it's a little more cold and calculated. He can take a little bit better. But how many times have you ever seen a woman crying? And you know what's going through their mind. He's not going to be long. He's not going to look at me the same way. He's not going to hug me. He's not going to appreciate my food. No one appreciates my food like he does. Pretty soon he's going to realize what real food is like. <laughs> well, you have there, how do you put anything on the table? How many times you look up at your mom and say, Mama, that's delicious, and inside your stomach was saying, you liar. <laughs> Moms are giving their kids dirty looks right now, including my mother. <laughs> Folks, I, I'm telling you, most of the young people in here are not even going to understand this message. That's okay. I'll preach to them in chapel. I want you as an adult. I need your attention for a few minutes because in, in the Christian life, I think we get sidetracked and, and we start on the right path. And when someone gets saved, God has their heart. It's like a wedding. It's like an engagement. It's like that, that, that newlywed time. It, it, God has our heart and our full attention and our zeal and our love and we're, we're serving God out of the right motives but there comes a point, let me just say this for a minute. L let me tell you a little secret what God really likes. God likes what we like. God likes to be loved. God likes to be appreciated. God likes to be praised. God likes all, and so do you. But in life, in all the business and all the responsibilities and everything that's going on, we forget 
what God really wants and what God is really asking for, and he gets so little of our heart. So, let me ask you this. Even at designated moments, he gets so little of our heart. This is a designated moment. We become distracted. Can you imagine if you would have gone out on your first date and been as distracted with her or him as you are in the normal church service in the very presence of Almighty God? And when that person has your heart, you, you know why I'm concerned about people that come to the house of God and argue with the Word of God? Because when God has your heart, when that person has your heart, you, you see two young couples and one of them says, Man, I, I hate red. And the lady they're courting goes home and finds all the red blouses and throws them out. Six months later, she's going to regret it. But at the moment, it seems like a good thing to do. You know why? Why is it that God says, I don't really like that? And you say, so? Explain that to me. Now tell me why you said that. When someone has your heart, they don't need an explanation. You know why your kids are always looking for an explanation? You don't have their heart. Chris, let's go. Where are we going? How long are we going to be gone? What are we going to do? Who are we going to get with? How exciting is it going to be? How many remember you used to look at your kids and say, okay, I'm headed out. You didn't have to invite them. I'm headed out. Dad, can we go with you? No. I can't go with you. No. Okay, get in the car. Now you say, okay, hey, we're going to the fun park. Ah, I'm busy. What you doing? Homework. Me and the fun park got traded for homework? The problem is not homework. The problem is not the fun park. The problem is the heart. God says, hey, let's go. The average Christian says, where? How long? What's the plan? What are we going to do? Is it exciting? What's in it for me? David had a heart. Keep your finger here because we're going to turn back here. Psalms 42. You see it in all of David's writing. Was he perfect? No. Was he sinless? No. Was he flawless in his character? Absolutely not. But God said, I like his heart. 42.1 is a heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth. Now let, let, me, let me just say something. Would you look up here for a minute? You know when you first started courting or dating or whatever you were doing at the time, um, you say, well, I didn't know they had these faults. Well, there was, that's true. There are some things you didn't realize. But there are a lot of things you were overlooking. Do you know why? They had your heart, and you had their heart. So you chose willful blindness. And you said they're perfect, not because you thought they're perfect, but knowing you're with someone that has your heart, you have their heart, makes the sun a little bit brighter, the smog a little less offensive, the traffic not nearly as brutal. I mean, even your income at 1200 a month didn't seem so bad because you were in love and 
Yeah. Some of you actually remember those moments. Now, why was life so good? When in reality, that's probably about as bad as you ever had it. On any level. The level of your closet, the level of shoe ownership, the level of your hot rod. Do you remember your hot rod then? Why did you enjoy going out in that beast? Because the beast was a great one because of who was with you inside the beast. Folks, if, if we can understand something, that's, why, that's actually why God has you on the planet. That's why God created you. That's why God put you here. And God says, if you just do me one favor, it's not go to church. It's not reading your Bible. It's not being baptized. It's not... He said, if you just do me one favor... I would really like to have your heart. Now, here's what happens. When he has your heart, everything else that's good and right happens. Now, let me, let me ask you this. How much of your heart does God actually have? Because what happens to your thoughts when someone has your heart? What happens to your pocketbook when someone has your heart? Do you know why I won't spend $35? You say, well, you used to go golf with your dad? Yeah, someone else was paying for it. I can handle golf as long as I don't have to invest in it. Say, when are you going to buy a set of gloves? As soon as I can, uh, I can, I can, uh, as soon as I fail to find someone who will loan me their set of glo- uh, clubs. I don't want to invest a nickel in something that doesn't have my heart. Did, did you get, let me repeat that. I don't want to invest a nickel in something that doesn't have my, maybe we just identified why it's so hard for you to give. Maybe you, maybe you just realize why it's so hard to be faithful to church and, and do the things that God likes doing. Do you know there are times I actually go to Ross Dress for Less and spend 30 minutes? I've been in J.C. Penney for 45 minutes at a time. Now, if one of these ladies aren't with me, that ain't happening. This? Now... You young ladies don't have the same ability. But this young lady has told me before. What's, uh, Brittany, what's it? Really weird store we went to the other day. Where you bought that stuff and you needed that. Where I brought you the gift certificate. Claire's. Claire's. <laughs> now, folks, you want to get beyond bizarre, go to a place called Claire's. I spent 30 minutes at Claire's. And she's trying on hats, and she's trying on this, she's trying on... I said, did you find what you wanted yet? She's like, oh, no, I'm just trying. <laughs> you're trying my patience, but you're trying. And then after about 20 minutes passed and 25 minutes passed, I said, you, you know the best way to make up your mind? I said, you've got to think about that, and you've got to pray about it. And if I get you a gift certificate, then we can go home, you can really consider it, come back and spend everything you want to spend. Now, folks, I promise you this, there is no way on this planet this man would ever spend 25 minutes in that, not even 25 seconds in that place. But I'll spend 25 minutes in there if I'm with someone that has my heart. God says, we can't even do 25 minutes. About 10. Here's a man that had a heart that wanted to be pure for God, a heart that was dedicated to serving God, a heart that was totally dependent. You want to know why a mother enjoys a baby so much? 
the frustration of the cry and all that's one thing, but there's still that total dependence that a mother really loves. Utter, wholehearted dependence. And the older that child becomes, the more fearful that parent becomes because they see that dependence ratio going from 100% to 65 and 45. And then they start doing really weird stuff to keep it from getting any smaller. Do you remember, compare Saul's heart and David's heart. Remember Saul goes out to the battle. God says, wait for the man of God. That's the chapter we just read, chapter 13, that talks about Saul's rejection. Absolutely no dependence upon God. God said, I like David. He actually needs me. David won't go to the battle without me. David's going to pray. He's going to seek my face. He's going to do my will. I find comfort in that. Let me ask you this, Christian. I think we're so busy and so worried about doing all these other things in the Christian life that we forgot the most basic thing. And God says, how about if you just give me a piece of your heart? How about if you just gave me your heart? How about if I had some of your heart on Monday, some of your heart on Tuesday? And We're so busy. God has not. Our boss has a piece of our heart. Work, habit, hobby, pleasure. God says somewhere in there and in all that commotion and motion, I would love to have some of your heart. Now, here's here's amazing thing. Let's read this and we'll be finished. Go back to chapter 16 for just a minute. You know what really scares me as a pastor? We're actually rearing a generation of young people worse than us in the matter of the heart. And we wonder what's going on the problem is, our kids, this generation of Christian kids, have no heart for God. They go through the motions. They submit to the structure. They obey the rules. But an actual heart for God. Folks, you say, that, well, maybe it will happen at 18. That didn't magically happen in my life at 18. That was something that was growing from 8, 9, 10, 12, 15 it, there was no magical birthday that put that in the depths of my heart. Jeremy, that was something that was cultivated in you all through your childhood, and despite your ups and downs, you were constantly growing in a desire and growing in the aspect of your relationship with God. And even on bad days, bad moments, even your worst times, even when you did what was blatantly and willfully wrong inside, you were disturbed and perturbed because your heart was still bent on God. That was your protection. So despite your flesh and despite the battles that you faced, you still had a heart for God. And despite your weak moments and despite those friends that influence you, maybe in a wrong direction at times, inside you had something that was always pulling you back in the right direction. And if our kids do not have that, their flesh and the temptations and their friendships and the influence of this world will snowplow them. 
They better have something deep inside of them that says, I love God. And I want to please God. And I want to live for God. And I want to honor God. Now here's the great thing about it. Look what it says in chapter 18. It wasn't just... Now let me say this. When, when you have a heart for God... People notice it, okay? So it says God doesn't look on the outward appearance. He looks on the heart. But guess what? Sooner or later, long enough, oh, maybe people can't see it at first glance. Maybe people can't, they won't notice it at the drop of a hat. But those that have a true heart for God, I love being around people like that. Those are people that motivate me and inspire me. You know what inspires me about Brother Sutton? It's not his intelligence. That confounds me. That humbles me. Here's a man that has a heart for God. You know what worries me in our school? There are kids, and no matter how deep you try to look, you just can't seem to find anywhere in their being a heart for God. Oh, you talk about a video game and their eyes light up. A sports team. A secular singer. Their eyes literally light up. Six flags. And you talk about anything that's spiritual, and yeah, it's good. Look what, in his youth, this is talking about David in his youth, verse 18. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite that is cunning and playing. Now, look at the way he is described. He's cunning and playing. He's a good musician. He's a mighty valiant man. In his youth, he's valiant. He is in his youth, what's it say, number three, prudent in matters. Boy, I wish we, we could say that about the youth of this generation. So prudent. And a comely person. Now, in this text, in context, it's talking about good looking. We've got some comely kids in our church, some comely babies, but not the same context, amen? Some of you are so easily... Offended. That's the truth. Uh, but look what it says. And uh, how do they identify and speak of and label David? The Lord is. Wouldn't that be good to be able to talk about some of our young people say, you know, David, what I like most, uh, he's good at influence around the school. He's decent on the basketball court. Uh, but we all know this. God is with that young man. That comes when you have a heart for God. And that doesn't come when you don't have a heart for God. And here's the benefit. Listen, there's so many benefits of it. Here's the benefits of having a heart for God. When you have a heart for God, you'll have His heart, and you'll naturally have a heart for people. You know why some of you don't have a heart for people? You don't have a heart for God. So people are in irritation. So when Saul distanced himself from God, he distanced himself from people, and the next thing you know, he's throwing spears at his friends and looking at those who are trying to help him as if they were enemies. You ever seen any young people do that? Amen? Here's what happens. Let me read you one benefit, and we'll pray and be done. It says in verse 13, 16, 13, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the, what's it say? Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day 
Now, this is a very unique case in the Old Testament. You've got to remember this. When did the Spirit of God... When was He promised? When did He begin indwelling believers? Was that in the Old Testament? That happened after the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That happened in John 20 when he, Christ came to the disciples, breathed on them, and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And that was for the disciples. Then we see it the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was fully come. And from that point forward, anyone that was born of the family of God received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came and went. He came upon people to empower them to do His work. This is the only case you see in the entire Old Testament where the Holy Spirit said, I feel so at home with this person, I think I'll just stay here for a while. And he stayed. And he felt so comfortable. Have you ever gone somewhere and you felt so uncomfortable, you ended up leaving early? And when you left, you felt so relieved to go. Have you ever went somewhere and you felt so comfortable, you looked at your watch and said, my goodness, it's 11.30. I'm so sorry. And they said, we've got time. I don't have to get up till 4 in the morning. <laughs> have you ever been there? And the Holy Spirit said, how you doing, David? He said, good. I'm going to use you, David. Good. I've got to leave in a little while. I hope it's not soon because I enjoy your presence. The days turn to weeks, the weeks turn to months, the next thing you know. David lived his whole life and the Holy Spirit never left. That's why he killed a lion and a bear. That wasn't his strength. That was supernatural strength. That's why he slew Goliath with a stone. It's not natural. It's supernatural. That comes with a friendship. And let me ask you this tonight, Christians. How rare is it for God to have your heart? How often during the week does God say, I have his attention. He's actually paying attention. We're actually enjoying some time together. This is a good moment. This is really good. We so caught up in the busyness of life, God's put off to the side as an emergency parachute, a genie in the bottle, God, there will come a time when we'll need to be very close. If you do me a favor, I'm going to keep you on speed dial. And when that moment comes, I'll give you rain. And we as Christians are literally living our lives. And God is saying, I'm here. I'd like to spend a little bit of time together when you get a chance. If you get a chance. Get a chance this week. It'll be good. That's Christianity in 2011. Father, I ask tonight, you would help us begin to cultivate a desire, deep-rooted, deep-seated desire to spend time with you, to love you, get on the same page, headed the same direction. Well, God, we're so busy, even the things we do for you are not done with you. So much is done in the name of God without God's presence. 
Father, I'm asking you to grip a few hearts here tonight. Father, break our hearts and get our attention and help us to understand we need to have a heart for you. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this message today, but more importantly, we hope that the Lord has challenged you in some way to grow in your Christian life. For more information about our church, including directions and times of services, please visit our website at www.capitalcitybaptist.org.